Hello, and welcome to the inaugural Employer Flexible podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to keep our client owners informed with information that they need to know during these turbulent times. My name is John Orth, Vice President here at Employer Flexible, and I am the host of this podcast. With the help of many guests and with feedback from you, we intend to bring you a series of concise episodes relevant to helping you, our clients, navigate through the challenges presented to business owners during this coronavirus pandemic. The outline is straightforward. We will start with any breaking news for the day, then we will cover our main topic or topics. For example, today we will be talking about the coronavirus relief legislation that was signed by the president on Wednesday and what it means to you. After the day's topics, we will go to the mailbag and discuss some of the frequently asked questions that we are gathering from our clients. If you have any particular questions or suggestions for future topics, please go to employerflexible.com forward slash podcast and submit them there. Uh, Breaking news on Friday, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin announced that the deadline for filing federal taxes has moved from 415 to 715. Uh, It's a move to ease the burden of the coronavirus outbreak has put on individuals and the economy. So they had previously moved the the paying of the taxes, but now the filing of the taxes has also moved to July 15th. Before we go any further, I'd like to bring in today's guest. Now, our, our guest today is Tina Gutierrez, and she's our Director of Human Resources. So, Tina, welcome to the, to the podcast. Hi, John. Thank you so much for inviting me. I know I'm speaking on behalf of everyone here at Employer Flexible. You know, our focus is that our clients need to stay in business, and there have been some really tough discussions and decisions going about, but, you know, we don't want you to have those discussions in a vacuum. We are here to help you through this. While we know these podcasts will hopefully will provide you some support, we want you to know that we're just a phone call away. So please let let us know. We are here to help you. Give us a call, and we'll support you in any way that we can. Okay. So our topic today, as you know, is the, is the legislation that, that passed and was signed last Wednesday. Uh, I think the, the actual name of it is the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act. So uh, kind of briefly tell us, what, when, when does that legislation go into effect? So the president signed the legislation on the 2nd. It went through um, the House and the Senate, and the, once the president signed, we have 15 days um, before that goes into effect, and that's going to go into effect on the 2nd of April. Um, the Senate has about five days from the signature of the president to give us a little bit more details, but really there's enough details for most employers to understand what the gist of the uh, legislation is is offering. Okay, so what, what are the main points that the legislation offers? So there's two main points that the legislation is basically letting us know. So there's two, uh, the two things are sick pay and a leave. If you know, want to, um, kind of summarize it down to those two things. And so the sick pay is basically saying if someone qualifies for the sick pay, it's asking for employers to pay 10 days of sick pay to anyone who qualifies for that time frame, and that sick pay would be paid at the regular pay for that individual. So if I qualified for that, it would be at my regular pay. And then the uh, leave would be up to 12 weeks of of the emergency FMLA. Okay, so wh- which businesses are excluded from this legislation? 
So those businesses that are excluded are any companies that have 500 or more employees or any businesses that would be considered a healthcare provider or emergency responders. Okay. So uh, for whatever reason, they excluded the, the, the large ones, uh, all the small and medium-sized businesses this applies to. So let, let's go back to the sick pay. What, what, what does the sick pay cover? Basically, 80 hours of this of sick. So, let me give you a little bit more of that information. So, if one of your employees, if you if you're a business where if you're under 500, you're not a healthcare provider, you are not an emergency responder, and you have an employee that qualifies. Okay, so this and in order to qualify, here's what needs to happen: you would have to have an employee who has um, either need to who has either have symptoms of the coronavirus or has had to um, has had to have to be a quarantine. Either they had someone in their family who has experienced the symptoms and so they've had to quarantine due to that, or they've had to care for someone due to the quarantine, or they've had to care for someone who has had a school closure. And so they actually automatically qualify for that. Now, the um, the sick pay covers, again, 80 hours of pay at their full um, at their full pay. Now, it does have a cap, but the cap is like 515 um, per day. So, um, you know, again, you can do the, the calculations that pretty much includes most individuals. Um, so when you look at that, the, that pretty much covers uh, many individuals. The only way that it wouldn't cover someone is if you, as an employer, have put in um, a work-from-home um, capability. So if someone who has come to you and, you know, their, their school has closed, however, you've allowed them to work from home, then that capability, um, then you don't have to pay for sick because you're actually allowing them to work from home. So that excludes them from being able to collect that sick pay. So um, many of really what we've been really encouraging our clients is to um, really, if you have the ability to build telecommute um, policies, but, you know, if they do, we encourage, and we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now, encouraging that telecommute policy so that we could, you know, have that cover so that you don't have the mass request for the sick pay coverage. Um, but you, they would be excluded from this if you had that telecommute policy in place. Okay, so so you've got the sick pay and then you have the, the emergency FM, FLMA, is that correct? basically after the 10 days, then you could potentially request for a leave of absence, right? And the leave of absence would then come into play for an extended period of time up into 12 weeks. So if you have someone who has a school closure and the school closure is beyond those 10 days, they would then be eligible for, potentially be eligible for a, a leave, right, which is a longer period of time. Um, and the difference here, I mean, you would say, well, what's, you know, what's the big deal to leave? You know, we already have an FMLA policy in place by the government. But the, the difference here is 
a leave of absence, um, in a typical leave of absence, you would have to have been with the company 12 months or 1,250 hours. Um, and in this case, the government said, well, we're going to go ahead and put this emergency leave of, leave of absence in place. So, so basically, you don't have to have an illness per se. We're, we're going to go ahead and put the clause in to say if, if someone's school is closed, you can request the leave and you don't have to have been employed for the year. You can have employed, you can have been employed 30 days, 30 days and be qualified for this leave of absence. So that's the exclusions that they put into this particular leave of absence into the emergency leave of absence. Um, and so employers will be required to protect their job for, um, those, uh, the job will be protected, um, if they've asked for this leave of absence now in, you know, even if they've only been working for them for 30 days. Okay. And, and so, so what workers are included? So the workers that are included, and again, this is another, um, you know, caveat that they've added. It's basically all workers that are on your payroll that are considered full, you know, that are considered employees. The only, the only workers that are excluded are contract labor. So anyone who's like a 1099 on, you know, in your business would not be included. So part-time and full-time employees are, would be included in, um, in this act. Okay. So any, any W-2 employees, and if you're, if you're part-time, I, I assume that you'd be paid at what your average amount of hours are during the week? That is correct. So in the sick pay, as we discussed, the 10, the 10 days of pay, you would get paid at your normal rate of pay. Once you get into the 10, um, once you get into the, the FMLA, you would get paid at two thirds of your pay. So if you're part time, you would get paid two thirds of your part time pay. Okay. So how do we notify, how does an employee notify you of a, you being the employer of, of a leave request? So, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, we're still waiting on some um, further details um, to be notified. But we've, uh, here at Employer Flexible, we've already started meeting as a task force to um, really be prepared for this. So we're putting in internal processes. So really, we're going to follow the same FLA processes that we typically do. So today, our our clients, uh, employees of our clients contact us when they want a leave and we follow notifications. We, we follow an internal process when that happens. So we're ready um, to follow the same processes as we've done in the past. However, we're ready. We're waiting to see if they have additional uh, notifications that need to happen. Um, and if that is the case, the uh, Secretary of Labor will be releasing that by April 2nd, if there's any additional notifications that need to be released or forms. Tina, I want to go back and just make sure of one thing that, that I'm pretty sure I heard. On the, on the paid medical leave, if a company is telecommuting, has a telecommuting policy in place, then I, I believe I heard you say that, that they do not have to pay for the, the paid medical leave. Is that correct? That is correct. If the employee has been allowed to work from home and can care for their uh, child who's had a school closure, then they don't qualify for the extended or emergency um, leave, leave of absence. So that helps if you have that telecommute um, program going. 
Okay. We want to make sure that we we want to make sure that we drive that home. Okay. And and then so uh, tax credits to reimburse the employers for all these exec all these extra costs. How how are they paid? Tax credits will be paid for both for the expanded family medical leave and the emergency paid sick leave that will be paid separately um, and they will be paid on a quarterly basis. So the family medical leave will be refundable will be a refundable tax credit equal to 100% of the qualified family medical leave wage um, and will be paid on a quarter, quarterly basis. Same thing goes for the tax credit for the emergency paid sick leave. That's a refundable tax credit equal to 100% of the qualified sick leave wages um, the employers, um, that the employer has been required to pay, also given on a quarterly basis um, under the emergency paid sick um, leave act as okay. well. All right, and and there's some minimums and maximums that that the best thing to do would be to to get with with your HR consultant and kind of have them walk you through the the submitting for these credits. Correct. That is correct. We can absolutely help you determine what those minimum and maximums will be. Okay. Okay, so Tina, that kind of wraps up our discussion on the legislation for today. Uh, it it obviously is going to continue to be complicated, and uh, and I, like you said before, there's going to be lots of changes to it. So, as uh, our clients need more information, uh, who's best for them to reach out to? The best thing for you to do, um, especially before this legislation takes full effect on April second, is to reach out to your HR consultants. There's some, you know, really major decisions I'm sure that you need to make and decide upon and your HR consultant can really give you some great guidance through that during this time and especially during this open window that we have before the legislation takes into effect. Okay all right which takes us to the uh, home stretch we are now at the go to the mailbag portion of the podcast so th these are just some of the interesting questions that have kind of come our way from our clients this week. Uh, we'll continue to collect those and we'll add them to anything that that, that listeners from the podcast want to submit on the uh, on, on our website. So the first one, can I take the temperature of any employees when they, of, of all my employees when they come into work each day? So the OSHA safety requirements, basically they have set out standards and said, you know, there is no reason because they have set out that this is a natural um, um, pandemic, that there is no reason why you cannot take the temperature um, for the safety and, and you know, hazard of, of the environment. However, um, one, the things that you need to consider is the person taking the temperature, you, you really can't share information with anyone else because that is a, considered a HIPAA um, requirement. Um, so that information needs to be kept um, confidential. The person who is taking the temperature also needs to have protective garments on. You also cannot pick and choose who you take the temperature of. So if it's the company's decision to take the temperature of your employees, then you need to take the temperature of everybody who walks in the door. So those are just things to consider. Um, it is okay to do it, but you just need to make sure that you set the standard practices for everyone. Okay. So that's a very good question. All right, next one. Can I ask an employee to self-quarantine if they've been traveling outside of the city or have someone at home that has symptoms? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Again, pretty much same standards uh, due to the fact that it is a, a considered a natural disaster. You can absolutely ask someone to self-quarantine, especially if they have someone who um, is um, has some symptoms at home. If they have had symptoms themselves, um, if they have traveled in, uh, if they have traveled outside of the city, if they've traveled in um, a an area that had um, numbers that are higher than. Um, norm, you can actually ask them to do that. Yes, you, you can. And because this is considered a pandemic, that is um, something that you, you can do at this time. Okay. And, and our last question is kind of reflecting the, the economic realities of, of uh, owning a business right now. Uh, it, the, the question is that if I've decided that I need to do a reduction in workforce due to these economic conditions, is there a time that that I should do them to avoid having to pay the extended leave uh, or or the extended sick pay? You know, there's been um, some discussion on you know temporary temporarily shutting um, down the um, businesses or um, you know having your your workforce um, you know leave for maybe extended weeks or what have you. But what happens is when you do that, and once this legislation goes into effect, let's just say we give notices to your employees and say, hey, don't come back for four weeks. So once this, legis once this legislation goes into effect on April 2nd, they're still considered active employees. So you can't afford to pay them because your business is completely shut down. But those active employees are on your payroll. So they could come back and potentially ask for a leave of absence if they qualify. So then you would be required by the legislation to pay these individuals. So you could walk into um, an, an, an issue and we don't want that for you. So now's really the time to really look at your business plans, contact us. Let's talk about, you know, really walking through some um, decisions. You know, is it lowering the pay of your staff? Is it um, reducing some of your staff? Is it, you know, is it shutting down? You know, it, let's let's look at your business plan. Let's, again, not make those decisions in a vacuum so that we can help you through that. Because we, we don't want you to accidentally make a decision of, you know, a lot of our clients were calling us with, you know, wanting to discuss furloughs. And initially, we thought that would be a great idea, but then once this legislation came out, I, we don't think that's such a great idea anymore, because once you furlough and this legislation passes on April 2nd, those um, employees are still considered active, so even though they're furloughed and you're not paying them, they could potentially come back and ask for the extended leave, which you're going to eventually end up having to pay them anyway. So we don't want you to get caught into having to pay them any anyway and, and getting caught into that scenario. So, mm -hmm. again, you know, let us know. We will help you through, you know, work through some uh, situations and business plans so that, you know, we can figure out what's right for you. Yeah, I mean, kind of to sum it up, we, we know these are tough times for everybody, but, uh, you know, we're, we're here to help you through this to, to make it as, as smooth as possible. Um, this, right. this really c concludes our first podcast, and I, we will be really open to and interested in any feedback that you have on ideas for us to make this better. Uh, our next podcast, we're going to tackle the subject of, of telecommuting or moving, you know, all or part of your workforce home. Uh, 
So uh, join us. What we will be sending out notices, the same notice that you got this time, and or you can look on our the employerflexible.com forward slash podcast website, and it will it will let you know when our next one uh, will be published. So have a great day, and and uh, everybody keep your head up. We're we're really pulling for all of our all of our small businesses out there. Bye. Thank you.